Section 4 of Shen of the Sea, a book for children. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Shen of the Sea, a book for children by Arthur Bowie Chrisman. Chopsticks. What is better than roast duck with sweet ginger dressing? Is anything, anything in the world and all superior? Two roast ducks, as Ching Chong said, are more to be desired? Ah, of a certainty. Two, two roast ducks with Hong Kiong dressing and Ling Gao, and Chong Yi, and Du Ya, and Yu Chen, the very fine tea that grows only in three gardens of Ku Miao, and, but really, that's enough for any dinner. More might mean misery. Those were the dishes that Cheng Chang prepared with matchless perfection. Those were the dishes that Ching Chong ate with the utmost gusto. Cheng Chang, the very fine cook, and Ching Chong, the extremely appreciative master. They were old bachelors, those two worthies. Little Cheng Chang and large Ching Chong were foot-free, funny, and forty. Cheng Chang came within an inch of being a dwarf. He was only a mere trifle taller than his own willow-wood ladle. Why, he was nearly as short as Wu Ta Lang, who, as you'll remember, when standing under his cherry tree, could not reach the limb, and when on the limb, could not touch the earth. Beyond a doubt, Chang Chang was little, but how he could cook. He was ugly, but how he could cook. He tied his cue with a leather string, but how he could cook. He taught his own grandmother how to roast eggs, and that's something few men could do. Ching Chung was the master. He was a tremendous person. He was nearly as large as Ho Lan, the giant, who, one day when stretching, burned his hand on the hot red sun. Surely no one could ask for more proof that Ching Chung was quite large. And how the man could eat. He worked hard from crow of cock till the owl said time for bed. And how he could eat four roast ducks at a sitting. How he could eat. But his voice was so powerful that it often shook the pots from Cheng Cheng's stove. Then there was nothing to eat. Ching Chung frequently complimented Cheng Chang upon his so glorious cookery. He would say to Cheng Chang, Cheng Chang, this roast duck is simply Tong Ming. 
If I were king and you my cook, I would make you governor of Quang King, where the best ducks grow. And Ching Chang would say, To the gracious master, I offer my no account thanks. I sorrow that my terrible cooking is not better. Or again, Ching Chong would say, Cheng Cheng, this exquisite roast duck has infused me with new strength. One more morsel, or maybe two, and I could conquer the world. And Cheng Chang would reply, It is nothing, honorable master. Strengthened and made bold by Cheng Chang's roast duck, and perhaps by a sip of the stuff called Sam Shu, which is fire and madness in a bottle, Ching Chong one day went according. Before a body could say Cheng Wang Li Chao, about the same as Jack Robinson, the beauteous lady Li Kuan was pledged to be Ching Chong's bride. Whereat the happy groom-to-be, who had always proclaimed that a bachelor's life was the only life, promptly changed the burden of his song and declared that all old bachelors should be boiled in rancid bean-oil and used as candles to lighten the darkness. And no doubt he was very right, said master to cook. Cheng Chang, why don't you follow the excellent example that I have set and take unto yourself a bride? There's Peng Zhu, a buxom lady and wealthy. Why not marry Peng Zhu? So Cheng Chang answered, Very well then, honorable master, I'll do as you advise. And he did. With Ching Chung married and Cheng Cheng wed, both of the old bachelors were husbands, and their lives were changed utterly. For marriage is a most peculiar thing. It promotes the fortunes of some men. Other men go from bad to worse. The wedding bell has two tongues. One tongue speaks good the other evil. Consider the case of Ching Chong. His wife had no wealth whatsoever, but her fifth cousin was a general in the royal army. The general came to visit, riding a handsome donkey and wearing his two swords. He tasted the roast duck, cooked, mind you, by Cheng Chang upon Ching Chong's table and instantly took a great liking for Ching Chung. He thought his host a most hospitable and excellent man. Nor was he wrong, but Cheng Chang had cooked the duck. It was no time till Ching Chung received a commission in the royal and brave army. He became a general. Before one could say, Cheng Wang Li Chao, he won a great victory, and the king having died, meanwhile, Ching Chong was placed upon the throne. There he was, upon the throne, a king, and hail to King Ching Chong. On the other hand, consider Cheng Chang, the cook. Poor Cheng Chang. He was afraid of his wife. 
horribly afraid. His wife had but to whisper, Cheng, and Cheng trembled like jelly, spilled on the king's highborough. His wife had but to say, Cheng, Cheng, and Cheng, Cheng fell upon the floor. It often happened that his wife said, Cheng, just as the poor man seasoned a duck on the stove. Then Cheng Chang would tremble and drop in too much salt or garlic or ginger, and the dinner would be ruined. Frequently Cheng Chang had to throw away a dozen ducks before he dished up one that was really excellent. Of course, his own purse had to pay for the loss. Almost before one could say Cheng Wang Li Chao, the timid Cheng Chang was a pauper, a lucky thing for him that his wages were raised as soon as Ching Chung became king. How remarkable are the tricks played by fate. She gives the wheel of life a turn. What was top becomes bottom. Strangely enough, what was bottom becomes top. The once mighty eat humble pie. The once lowly sit upon gilt chairs, drinking yu qian from cups of eggshell porcelain and eating birds' nests. Cheng Chang was at the bottom, and fate gave the wheel a whirl. The wife of Cheng Chang went to visit her three brothers, who conducted a large go-down in Ningpu. The art of cookery so nearly lost to Cheng Chang, once more thrilled in his fingertips. A pinch of this, a mite of that, a dash of something else. Cheng Chang cooked as he had never cooked before. The roast duck that he served up for King Ching Chong was, was, was. There are many words in the language of men, but not one of them can describe the duck that Cheng Chang presented his king and master, Ching Chung. Sublime, delicious, perfect. Those words are weak and unable. Away with them. The duck must remain undescribed. But oh, what a duck it was. King Ching Chung ate half of it. Perhaps he ate a trifle more than half. He kept his gaze upon the platter. He said neither good nor bad. Cheng Cheng lingered nearby to receive the praise that he felt was due. But the praise was slow and forthcoming. The wondering cook began to fear that he had dropped in too much Chiao Fen. Horrors! Horrors twice! Suppose he had. He deserved to be killed. King Ching Chung laid his knife aside. He placed his fork in company. He raised his eyes and gazed at Cheng Chang. For a full minute he gazed. He questioned, Cheng Chang, did you cook this duck? Poor Cheng Chang. Down he went, kneeling three times. Each time he knelt, his head wrapped the floor thrice. Yes, most gracious and forgiving majesty. 
I cookie duck. I Ching Chang alone am guilty. Oh, have mercy. He could almost feel the headsman's sword. Steadily, for another minute, the monarch stared. Then he spoke. You did, did you? Well, all I can say is this. The man who cooked this duck should be king, and by the teeth of the bobtailed dragon who brings famine, I am going to make him king. I shall abdicate and appoint him to rule in my stead. Arise, King Ching Chang, ruler of the universe, and the best cook that ever roasted a duck. So soon as Cheng Cheng's wife heard of her smaller half's good fortune, she hurried back to the palace. With her, she fetched the three brothers, feeling sure that King Cheng Cheng would appoint them to high places. If he wouldn't, she would. She had things planned to the last detail. One brother was to be keeper of the royal and full treasury. What a clever idea. He had the largest pockets. Another brother was to be governor of Quang Ting. The third was to be made commander-in-chief of the royal and never-run army. At breakfast, the eldest brother mentioned his desire. Oh, said King Cheng Chang, I can't make you keeper of the treasury. I have already put in a man who has no hands. Well, what appointment have you saved for me? For you? Hmm, let's see. You can be ambassador to Ho Chong Kuo, a far-off country, America, in fact. Indeed, screamed the queen's brother in terrible rage. He took his knife from his mouth and lunged at the king. Only a remarkable quickness of foot saved King Ching Chang. His majesty very properly was much displeased at such unseemly behavior. Who wouldn't be? I shall have your eldest brother beheaded, he told the queen. Indeed, said the queen. Then I shall beat you. So that ended that. He was little, and uh, she was large. There was no beheading. At dinner, the queen's second brother remarked in a casual tone, It is an exquisite day, isn't it? I hope it will be this pleasant when I am inaugurated governor of Quang King. You? Governor? I have appointed Ching Chung to be governor of Quang King. You can be constable at... Indeed, screamed the would-be governor in an ungovernable rage. He seized his fork and rushed at the king. Fortunately, a mat slipped from beneath his feet. His fork tore a deep furrow in the floor. The monarch escaped injury. Nevertheless, King Cheng Chang was highly indignant. Surely that was his kingly right. He said to the queen, I shall have your brother be, the queen interrupted, if you do, I shall beat you. She rather had him there. The king called under his throne. 
the subject was closed, and the headsman's sword was unstained. Supper had barely begun when the queen's youngest brother, a huge brawny yokel, remarked that he had already purchased his uniform and would take over the army tomorrow. The king was taken aback. You command the army? Huh? I shall make you minister to Yin Yong, a place twenty thousand li distant at the ship's sail. Indeed, roared the queen's brawny youngest brother. Clutching his soup spoon, he leaned across the table and struck a King Cheng Chang. Swish with all his might. Thanks to him who made the table, he made it of generous wit. The queen's youngest brother could not quite reach across it. His murderous spoon merely parted the king's beard. It was a most atrocious deed, meriting extreme punishment, but it caused no actual pain. Its main effect was upon the king's dignity. But this time his royal mightiness said nothing of the headsman. He imagined that his wife would most likely raise objections. No, the king said nothing of punishment. Instead, he rewarded the queen's youngest brother, appointed him director of the imperial gunpowder factory with a bed in the factory, and gave him six pounds of smoking tobacco. The three attempts upon his life worked havoc with Cheng Chang's nerves. When eating breakfast, he could never look at a knife without shuddering. Seated at dinner, each time he touched a fork, cold chills raced down his marrow. At supper, he could scarcely eat because of the spoon. Each glance at the spoon wrought from his majesty a groan of dread. So, King Cheng Chang did a most wise thing. He abolished knives and forks and spoons. He ate his rice and duck with the aid of two harmless, delicate little sticks. There was nothing about the sticks to inspire uneasiness. They were incapable of hurt. The little sticks used by King Ching Chang were called chopsticks. Chop means good. Naturally enough, all the people in Cheng Cheng's kingdom soon were using chopsticks. They wished to do as the king did. People are like that. Chopsticks became first fashionable, then universal. Everyone used them. Wherefore, today, King Cheng Cheng is remembered not for his roast duck, which was heavenly, and gained him the throne, but for his chopsticks, which are wood, mere wood. End of section four. Read by Carrie Adams. Your book voice at Mesa, Arizona, 6th of October, 2021.